What up, what up, what up, podcast listeners? On this episode of the podcast, I'm hanging out with Dina Mardo. Dina is just an absolute joy, an absolute baller, and is just one of the coolest people that I've had as a guest in this podcast. She is currently a CEO, executive, entrepreneur, and just changing lives in so many different ways. She's the founder of CND, the agency that's changing lives from a PR perspective, changing lives from an entertainment perspective. Uh, she currently does a ton of work for TI, and we may have done a little smack talking about the Hopper Popper on there as well, too. But Dina is just one of the most remarkable people. She's humble, she's badass, she works hard, and she's changing lives daily. She's worked with some of the most uh, famous entertainers, celebrities, and musicians around the world. Um, and somehow found a way just to uh, <laughs> just change lives every single day. And so I, I, I just really enjoyed having her as a guest on the show. Shouts out to Ryan Millsap and Sarah Smith for making this episode happen. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys this show just as much as I did. Dina, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thanks for having me. So... This lovely lady, Sarah, and this remarkable man, uh, Ryan Millsap, made the original connection uh, to you, and they had nothing but good things to say. So I think one thing led to the next, and we're sitting on a podcast together. Yeah, so, so a big thank you to Sarah and Ryan. I really appreciate the kind words. So um, I know just brief snippets from them about you. So if you're willing, I'd love just to hear the brief backstory. Feel free to take as long or short as you need, but I'd just love to hear your life background. Sure. So I am actually Palestinian. I was born in Jordan and we moved to Atlanta when I was five and I've been living here ever since, but obviously very well traveled around the world. And ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to be in music. So when I finally got to college, because my parents were definitely not going to be in support of that, I started at ground zero and started to make my way, had no prior relationships or anything like that and started to build my network in the music business. And when I was 19, I actually launched a PR firm. I started a PR firm while I was in college. I went to Oglethorpe University, which is a small liberal arts college here in Atlanta. And um, I started just uh, representing different clients, different people in the industry. And I ran into LA Reed at an event. We met and he handpicked and hired me. I don't know if you know who L.A. Reid is, but he's a big music mogul. And at that time, he was the chairman of Island Def Jam. So he handpicked and hired me to work on his A&R team at Island Def Jam. I was there for six years and I worked on different albums like Nas, Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson LL Cool J, um, Rick Ross, Young Jeezy, and the list goes on. And then I left after six years to start my own business. I built a and operated a recording studio in Midtown called 12, 12 Music and Studios. And I did artist development, talent management, and some publishing. And so I did that for about seven years, operated that business. I, I actually sold it I, to, in 2019 because I didn't, I, it was, it's a long story, but it was, you know, it was, it's a, it's a 24 hour business to operate a recording studio. I mean, these people are in it whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, it doesn't matter. And then, you know, I had a staff of 10 people. It was a lot of operation. And I st actually, T.I. called me and we, we had done work in the past and he wanted to bring me back on his team. So I started working on his management team. And because I was traveling with him so much, I didn't really need the studio as much. So I ended up selling it, still doing a lot of work in the music business, of course, and still working with T.I., but I just recently launched 
a management agency with my longtime uh, girlfriend, and she's a marketing and branding guru. And we started a company called CND the Agency. I'm obviously the D of CND, and um, it is an all women led management agency. And we are our whole purpose is to bring our services together and and service our clients in an excellent way, but more so it's to empower the next generation of women leaders. And so that's that's pretty much my life story in about two minutes. <laughs> I love it. And I number one, I'm just inspired by everything you've done. I mean, it's it's amazing. So yeah. I, I want I want I want to I want to first start off with your you grew you uh you were in the Middle East up until age five. Yeah, is that right? Well, I actually moved to the United States when I was two, but we were in San Diego, then Myrtle Beach. Don't ask me why. And then we went to Atlanta. <laughs> and, okay. and then yes, I've been here. And then obviously share whatever you're comfortable with. You mentioned that your parents. I think you said obviously would not be supportive of that. So was that like culturally just going into the music industry was taboo? Was that like, yeah. was that because, like cultural- women going into the path? What was the background of that? It's a cultural thing. I would say like, you know, the parents in the Middle East are most likely going to push you to be more like be a banker, be a, be an, um, in finance, be a doctor, be a lawyer, like your normal you know it's cut and dry. You know how you're making your money. This is kind of the entertainment business is intangible. So I can understand why they didn't understand it and they didn't comprehend it. And then when I finally got my first check from Universal Music Group, I think that they finally were like, oh, this okay, this could be a real business. And I had a 401k and all that kind of stuff, right? So I think it's just naturally what you know and what you don't know as a parent. And you in and and of course there the the best thing to be is like a doctor or a lawyer kind of thing and i think it is it is a the entertainment business and especially music and especially the genre of music that i'm mostly in which is hip-hop is male dominated and so you don't find too many women and you then you don't find too many palestinian women right we're just not in this is not our space so yeah, i would say, you must, are you, are you pretty like with that sort of comp pairing of the two are you probably one of the like most unique people in that space i gotta imagine there's not you probably stand out which is amazing yeah i would say that because there were and a lot of people like me it, it helped me get in the doors faster i would say now there's a lot more diversity and um and i do have like fellow palestinians or just arabs that are in the music business that i know there's not a lot there's a handful and so yeah i mean i think it's it's, I guess I'm different (laughs) (laughs) in the best way, in the best ways possible. That's amazing. So, uh, you got your first check from the universal, uh, making money in music sounds a little bit better than like maybe traditional looking at spreadsheets, I would imagine. So I could see why you made the transition. (laughs) Well, well done. So was there something that originally drew you of just like being a create, like, did you want to be creative in the music world yourself? Did you, like, was there, you know, you wanted to specifically help elevate somebody's career? Was it more the marketing side? Or what was the sort of adolescent draw to the music world? Well, okay, that question got you got me. I did want to be a singer songwriter. That was oh, the come whole- on, I knew you had a good voice. <laughs> well, thank you. That was the whole reason I went into the music business. I wanted to be a superstar. And then when I got into the business, I was really young. And I didn't, you know, I started to learn about it. And I started to learn Honestly, the business side of things started to develop for me faster and I had a lot more opportunity in that world. And so I just switched over, I transitioned and I never looked back to the creative side. 
But I would say that I'm a pretty creative person and that's why I understand creatives. And so I have a little bit of both of those things. It's kind of like your, you know, your executive brain and your organizational brain and then the creative side of it. So I, I have, a, I, I think I have both. And I think as an entrepreneur, you usually kind of have to have both. Yeah. And that's, that's, that was going to be my next. So I would imagine there's some similarities. You're, you're, you're talking to one of the most scatterbrained human beings in the world. I, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a gift 10% of the time and it's a nightmare for everybody else in my life, 90% of the time. And so I've very much, uh, can resonate with a lot of times I talk to creative type people because there's definitely flow state. There's definitely these, like you're either, uh, exhausted or you're up like for five straight days, just because you're in the zone sort of thing. And I was curious if that's the way you kind of operate as well too, in more of the management side of things. I would say that I am, I'm, I'm kind of one track minded. So if I'm on something, I will like, I want to work till the end of it. I'm also Can you teach me that skill. Like teach me. <laughs> show, me, show me your ways, please. <laughs> you know, I jump around mentally when I'm talking to people. Like I do, like my conversation is never just like one area, but it's just the way my mind works. It does jump around. I wouldn't like, so I'm not like ADD or anything like that. I would say that I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at focusing in. And when I do, I'm like very focused in, I will, I'm OCD and I'm a perfectionist and it's good at a lot of, it's a good for all, it's a gift and a curse. It's good for a lot of things that I do. And that's why a lot of people want to work with me because I, my attention to detail, detail is very keen but also it drives myself crazy. So I can never like, it's almost nothing like- Nothing is ever good enough, I'm sure. Nothing Although, is ever good enough. Like just yeah. finish it, just turn it in. Like, like we're done, you know? To the rest of the world, it's amazing to you. It's, ugh, I missed that it's one exactly thing. Yeah. That. And it's, yeah, I'm a Virgo. So it's like, I'm a Virgo. I'm a OCD perfectionist. I'm a tr like, I'm a triple Virgo. So it just makes me a little bit crazy. But I think that's, like I said, the crazy part is also- it also helps me in a lot of ways for my business, but yes, I'll, I don't know if I, I won't stay up like five days straight, but I will sometimes just wake up in the middle of the night and then have to do stuff. Welcome to the world of entrepreneurship because um, <laughs> you, you, you get that more than I do. But, um, so, but I, I gotta ask the OCD, like perfectionist, I gotta imagine that works really well with like high end clients. Like you were listing off all, like some of the people that you've worked with and like having that skill set probably is demanded of people that like work for them or work with them. It's absolutely is. I remember when I worked with um, the late, great Shakir Stewart at Allen Def Jam and also LA Reed. I mean, they're the, they're the top of their game. They're the cream of the crop. They deal with only the best of the best as it become as it pertains to talent. And I had to, you, there, you couldn't make mistakes. I literally could count on my hand out of six years, like three or four mistakes I ever made. I mean, you have to be on top of your game. And so it, it was, it was a blessing in, in that sense for, for those type of jobs. I, when, when you're an executive assistant, which I was also, I mean, come on, the attention to detail is everything and being proactive and knowing what to do and having everything in order and being organized and keeping them on their, you know, on schedule. I mean, all of that is super important. What do you think when you've dealt with, and again, not asking anything of confidentiality, but like when you've dealt with some high profile type individuals, what do you think is the difference between them and quote unquote normal people? And what do you think is totally misconceived that makes them normal that people think is not normal about them? 
I would say just their their want to their drive and want for excellence. I think when you when you play at that level, average isn't good enough. It's not just about passing by, it's about excelling. And so I think that there's just there's just that much more discipline, that much more hard work, that much more late nights and that much more sacrifice of your personal life. And so to the second part of your question, what makes them what's the you know, I would think that a lot of people think um, they're just like running around, you know, yelling at you, uh, demanding things, throwing things across the room or whatever. And it's not really like that. Like if they if they trust you and you're part of their core team, you might get into arguments. Of course, that'll happen. But you they do want they do listen to the closest people around them. And so you have their ear and you are able to influence in that way. To your first point, have you ever thought about giving a motivational talk? Because I think you just gave like 30 seconds of one. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I my 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 long-term dream is to be a motivational speaker around the world. That's well, come like, on now, let's make that happen. <laughs> I wanna um so I'm doing all these things in my in my work life and my personal life so that I, one day I can, you know, share this with people. And I, I love to do I do love to do speaking and I love to do motivational speaking. So yes, you, you hit that right on the, the nose there, but um, yes, I would like to do that at some point. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I haven't gotten there yet, but I would love to do like a Ted talk or something like that. Oh, well, I'll, we'll make that happen at, okay. at 2 AM when I'm stressed, I'm going to call you and say, look, uh, business is going to hell. Everything, everything sucks. I need, I need a little pep talk. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be, your, I'll be your first customer. <laughs> of course. So, and, and, uh, to your second point, I, so with my, with my business, I've raised some capital and with people who are investing typically are, you know, high net worth or high profile individuals. And I have been blown away by how, like, again, if, 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 you're trusted how genuine down to earth a lot of really high profile people are like they're not all assholes and they're not out to get you and they're not you know thinking they're better than you in fact i've actually found a lot of people in those roles super like salt of the earth down to earth type personalities you know what i found it's the newer artists the ones that are not as established that think they're all that and give you hell and then it's the ones that have like been around for their legends and they are the most down to earth ones. Right. And, and it's about, like you said, it's building that trust and they want genuine, genuine people around them that are not just yes people. Maybe some, I mean, listen, we're not talking, we're talking about the majority. There might be some minority where there is like, and definitely I've had my devil wears Prada moments. Okay. Where I've like, like, do you really want me to get a helicopter in the middle of the night so you can fly somewhere because there's about to be a hurricane in my like it's literally stuff like that like real life stuff that you're like okay this is the like you're woken up out of your sleep you you know your schedule is not your own schedule it's based on their schedule and trust me that schedule changes quite often so you don't really have ownership of your own life a lot of times do you think the uh to your point on like the let's call it new money or new popularity or whatever versus kind of the the more been around the you know been been around for a while do you think that's just because you know the new money or new artist has just not been smacked in the face with you know the badness that comes or you know they haven't been their trust broken by people i mean what do you what do you think is the major transition that all of a sudden kind of maybe quote unquote brings them back down 
Yeah, I, I think it's more life experience and wisdom. And I think that when you when you are a celebrity or you're a high profile person, you realize that like there are you when like people will praise you and at the same time they'll tear you down, right? And there's going to be ups and downs. And it's about maintaining that longevity in that career. And I think with the the newness of it with people, they just get it's kind of like a high, you know, with the fame and the and not living in reality, really, and the bright lights, you get blinded by it. And I, I think you, you, you do have to kind of something has to happen to like, bring you back down to reality. So what I mean, you're a extremely high profile person with the the fact that you have so many remarkably well known people that trust you. I mean, what's what's like, what's what's the pearl of wisdom or advice you got for somebody and just the sense of like, how do you gain trust by how do you gain trust with people, let alone how do you gain trust with people that everybody's trying to get a hold of or reach out to or, you know, find a way to get a piece of how, how have you navigated those waters? I would say a couple of things. It's it's being authentic, authentically myself and carrying myself and, and acting with integrity. Have you always been that way? Yes. Yeah, I can. Tell. I even did a test. I don't remember what test it was, but it was like a test where like test you for I know, emotional intelligence and then like how you act around different people. And it, um, it shows that sometimes depending on what group of people you're around, like some people adopt that group's nature or they like act more like them during a certain group and another group, they, they swing towards them. And I don't know why, but the results for me were I was always the same, no matter what circumstance or who I was around. And I think that that, and I would say I'm a very grounded person in that way. And I'm always me. So I'm always going to be honest. And I think that they respect that even if we don't agree and we argue about it, I'm still going to support your decision, but I'm going to give you my honest feeling about it. Um, And I would say, why else do they trust me? Uh, It's persistence and, and your, your building of your reputation. And it's really just about um, adding value to their lives and doing the hard work. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So back on the life story track, you launched your first PR firm in college. Yeah. Is that right? Right. I was 19. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I, I'm, I'm 10 years into this quote unquote thing called entrepreneurship and I still have no idea what I'm doing. So I, I, I get you. But what was that? I mean, what, what was the adolescent idea? Of, I mean, did you have a customer that somebody needed some work or how, how did that all start? So, you know, as I, as you know, I started off as a singer songwriter and I was, and I started getting these small little jobs, these work, these gigs, but they were on the business side. And I started just doing things because I loved, I wanted to be in music. I wanted to be in the music business. I'm sure you can relate to this so badly that I just, I was doing stuff that I didn't even realize you could get paid to do. Right. <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing it for free. I had no idea. And I sat one day I'm a communications major and I sat in my first public relations class and I literally looked up and said, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been doing. I've been booking artists. I've been getting them in magazines. I've been doing all these things and I had no idea this was a career. And so I just, I just went for it. I just jumped out there and said, I'm going to start a PR firm with my, my best friend who's still my best friend. And, and I, and I told Narciss, I said, like, we're going to start a PR firm. And she was like, huh? And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. She's like, we have no idea what we're doing. I was like, it's okay. We're just going to figure it out as we go. And we did. 
that line is said by every entrepreneur. And that's when you know somebody's a true entrepreneur. You know what? <laughs> we're going to do it and we're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. well, well, because because no matter how much you plan it out, it all goes to hell anyway. So yeah, you definitely, no plan ever sticks to the plan, right? What was the first point that you realized in that PR firm that you're like, oh man, I got a business right here. Like what was the first time you're like, this is actually something. This is not just, this is not just an idea. This is actually something. When when it switched from me doing pro bono work where I was like proving myself like, yeah, we can do this. Um, let me show you. Let me do free work for you and to, into actually making money and people actually wanting us and dealing with celebrities and high clientele and putting on events and being kind of like we, we definitely filled a void in the market. There were not a lot of PR firms or any in Atlanta at the time doing what we were doing, we we're kind of like the supplement to major PR firms that we were targeting more of like, our niche was more of like the independent me, like this podcast, you know what I mean? Like something we would have, we would have plugged in this podcast. So it's not like Howard Stern, right? You know, it's not the main top people that are in this area, but we, there are other people that you can get your story out there too. So we would target the more independent outlets. Yeah. And I, I, I've been blown away by how much audience and, and just, I mean, even with my own podcast and then also as my business has started to grow, some of the podcasts I've been on, like you don't always have to go to the cream of the crop to get a lot of attention. Like exactly. you, can, you can get a lot of like, yeah, mid grade or what, however you want to call it, attention that way. So and I, I wasn't trying to, but like, I was not bashing your podcast. I was just show, using it as an example to say like, you know, there's levels and you can, and you should hit all of them. Right. It, Two things. Number one, I uh, there's absolutely nothing you could possibly say to offend me. And number two, <laughs> I actually took it as a compliment because okay. it, <laughs> so so actually none at all. So you're good. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm uh, I'm five foot four and grew up hanging out with a bunch of basketball guys. So you can imagine the short jokes that I grew up with. So I, I grew I grew thick skin in a hurry. So <laughs> well, you know what? And I'm five feet, and so I totally understand. Oh, you're you're with me. You're with me. <laughs> so um. Again, question, and I, I hope this is coming across appropriate or, or you're okay with this, but when you, so like among your, your parents, uh, jumping in the music industry was like not necessarily that typically people did and maybe not so much support. So now I'm thinking of like you were one of the only Palestinian women when you first started in like the music industry, the entertainment industry. Were you respected? Like did you have to earn people's respect above and beyond like a man or maybe a white woman or were you immediately accepted? How, what was that like? Oh, definitely. So this okay. Is this okay grounds to go? Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I always, I always tell people that women have to work three times harder, especially in male dominated industries. So no, in an industry like this, and especially like in an industry like hip hop and it's cutthroat, um, you have to earn your respect. It is not given. And so I had to be very persistent, very consistent, and I had to um, hold myself with a, a certain type of respect to, to demand the respect from other people. And then once you, I think back then, you know, of course you get looked over for promotions. You're not getting paid as, as much. You may not get paid what you're supposed to at all. You have to, you know, chase people down for payments. Do I think a man would have to do the same? Probably not, right? Um, and also, the women that I saw in, in the C-suite or executive positions were definitely not women that looked like me and, and they were far and few between. Most of the women in the business when I first started were in 
your support roles, administrative roles. So now that's changed a lot more and it's become, I would say, a lot more diverse as it pertains to those positions. But definitely, I would, you know, definitely I was up against, I'm a minority and I'm a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and um, young, and young, and you know, you can't discount your youth too, because people are looking at you like, what, what do you know? Well, you know, you're, yeah. I was the, I would say that I was a, one of the youngest people that worked at Def Jam. It was when Jay-Z was president, LA Reed was the chairman and I was 21 when he hired me. And so, you know, most of the people that were that young were interns. Did you, um, specifically speaking of the age thing, I mean, there's two sides to age. In one sense, if you're young and you're hustling, people look at that and they say, you've got something special. In the other sense, they look at that and they say, okay, okay, pup, when you grow up a few years, then we'll talk. Do you, what would you say you experience more? Probably the, the, the first part, because I was dealing with other people who were just as young. When I met T.I., and he's only a couple years older than me, he was young too. He You're was what, 27, 28? That's what I was putting you at. So. <laughs> I am 37 now. It's just dreadful. And he just turned 40. So he was just as young and, and figuring it out just like I was. And that's how I built a lot of my long-term and, and major relationships is because we were in the trenches together. Like we were, we grew up together in this business. We had to figure it out together. That's, I mean, and, and no wonder why he trusts you and believes in you so much. Cause when you spend over a decade with somebody, I mean, and, and you see them both standing by and you guys are both growing together. You've probably gone through some wars together. You've probably gone some, some highs and lows together. And that's something that keeps trust around. So that's, that's amazing. Exactly. And they were, he was a lot wilder back then. (laughs) I've definitely seen some things in my, in my time. (laughs) <laughs> and so he knows he can trust you. If you if if, if uh, you have seen him like that, and he still keeps you around, <laughs> or maybe maybe you keep him around on that side of things. <laughs> so you you mentioned that you sold. So it, it's the PR firm that you sold. No, so I actually I I shut the PR firm down when LA Reed hired me. Right, I got oh, a big got yeah yeah sorry sorry yep that's right. Yep, and yep, then yep. I left Island FGM and I built my business, um, which is Twelve Music and Studios. Uh, I sold the actual physical recording studio. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So was that? I mean, so that my limited. Uh, my limited knowledge of like entertainment comes from like Ryan and his studio, and he's essentially like basically a glorified landlord that just happens to rent out a space to entertain, you know, to movie studio or to film companies that record movies there with yours. It sounds like it was a lot more hands-on involved day to day. What was, is that the culture of like owning a movie studio? Were you doing more than just like renting out the space? What was kind of the breakdown of that? So, you know, I wish I was more like Ryan where he owns the actual building and land probably. Um, but no, I was actually leasing a space and yes, I was essentially a landlord. but what I did is I created a community and I built this energy and synergy where why I had talent work together. So it was, I was big on upcoming writers and producers and artists coming in there and I had office spaces. So I rented those out to different executives and labels and certain labels made their home there like Epic records, Atlantic records, MMG, um, empire distribution. And so, yes, I was, I was orchestrating that the space, but at the same time, the, the main reason I built the recording studio was not to just 
book studio time and get money from booking. It was to build and develop talent. So I would sign um, I would sign artists, I would sign writers and producers, and I would develop them. My so, thought process was if I can make hit records and I can have the ownership of that, that's what's going to pay the bills, not booking out um, studio time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. This is a totally random thought and take this however you want. But I've always wondered what, what like, specifically with like rap and hip hop artists, do they listen to their own music like when they're jamming in the car? Yeah, they want to hear it ride. You know, they usually if they've just made something, they want to hear it. But like, would they do they want to walk into a party and only hear their music now? Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of figured that. And like, especially rappers that are are friends, I can imagine they jam to each other's music sort of thing. But I've always been curious, like when I get in the car, I listen to TI, I listen to Jeezy, I listen to the, you know, the whole, the whole works. Right. Um, and I, I, I cycle through a bunch of them. Right. And then maybe we'll go on a kick with one artist, but I've always wondered if you make the music yourself, are you, are you listening to a bunch of others for inspiration? Are you jamming to your own? Cause you know, it's your own vibe or what that's typically like. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, when, when they're in the studio, though, it's, it's a collaboration. So a lot of times it's just that you, you, you bring people in, you're just talking, you're just talking shit with people, you're, you're might be watching something, you might be, um, you know, just having a drink, you know, whatever you're doing in there. And it's like, you, you it's like this energy that it's a creative energy that starts to cycle. And that's what they, they, um, they pull from to go and do the music. So you're listening to different things. And a lot of times it might be other artists in there where you guys are collaborating together. What's your favorite drink, by the way? So I am a champagne girl. You know, I, I like, like I like champagne. It depends on what my, my if I want a party party, I guess, you know, I, I like tequila, Don, maybe some, I don't know. All of all of the tequila tastes as bad as anything else, but you know, I like a good margarita. Um, I, I'm a, I like rum. Yep. So yeah, I mean, girly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Next time, next time I'm in Atlanta, I'll make sure to swing swing by with some tequila. We'll we'll, we'll make that happen. But. But just not Patron. I'm not a fan of the taste. <laughs> Everybody's had a bad experience with Patron. <laughs> Patron is not it. <laughs> no, no, I love that. So, all right. Um, you, so I, I noticed a bit of a transition in your story. You went from working with many artists to kind of hyper-focusing on one being TI. What was the, like, I guess, change of experience of that? And what ultimately made you want to have like a, a heavy focus on maybe one versus many artists at a time? Well, so it's really, it's a long haul to develop talent and it takes a long time to make your money back and it's a high risk industry. So it's, it's, it's like a glorified babysitting job of adults. So I'm like running an adult daycare is how I looked at it. <laughs> Which probably is even worse than a normal daycare. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worse because they can do worse things, right? <laughs> um, and and it gets, you know, as much as I love to do it and I'm inspired by talent, it, when I got the opportunity to work with Tip, I liked it because he is a big brand and he was expanding his brand at the time. And, and I just... Um, I think so highly of him and I wanted to be part of helping him build that. And so I did focus in only on him and not necessarily new talent anymore. And um, not to say that I won't go back there, but it's just where I am now. And it's interesting is before he hired me on, 
he was shifting his team a little bit. And of course, you know, we knew each other and we had worked together and I was consulting for Grand Hustle for a while. But then he, um, when he switched the team around, they needed some extra help. And when he approached me, I actually had two other offers on the table. One being that LA Reed had started his new um, venture, which is Hitco Music. And he wanted me to 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 be an A&R in his team again. And then Sylvia Roan wanted to hire me at Epic Records as an A&R. And so I actually decided to go with Tip rather than going back into a major record label system because I just I am a I'm a I'm a real believer of like ownership and I loved I I wanted to have more control of like I thought that with with Tip I would have a lot more creativity and and ability to make things um happen that you can't necessarily do in the structure of a label. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. And for you, I guess, I think you briefly touched on this, but would your goal kind of be going back towards working with many or do you like, have you, have you really enjoyed kind of the hyper-focus? Obviously, it sounds like you've had a wonderful experience with Tip, but would you would you like to go back to the many or do you like the focus approach? I want to, at this point, I said, so it's both, but in different ways. So with C&D, the agency, the new venture that I have, I want to build it to where I'm overseeing on a high level, but I have a team of people that are doing the day-to-day stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does completely. And so that. then we can take on established and upcoming talent. So it'll be a, a handful of both, but I can't do it all on my own by myself. So if you were to build, um, and you may be living this now, so feel free to answer it that way. But if you were to build the the like dream company, you wake up and you are doing exactly what you want to be doing. Number one, are you living that now? And number two, if you're not, what do you want it to be? I think I'm living that now. Do I always want some more money? Absolutely. <laughs> um, do I want to have houses in multiple locations and dream vacations? Yes. I also want to be married and have children. So that is something that I haven't done yet. So no, I'm not all the way in my dream, but I think that I wake up every day and I live a very blessed life that I've created for myself. And I've worked hard to get to this point. And I'm at the point where I'm able to pick and choose what I want to do and who I want to work with. And I really do feel like that's a blessing. That's one of the most like beautiful and amazing things of like that. I, I, I don't think many people strive for, but realize how valuable it is, is that if you're in a circumstance, you get to pick who you want to work with and what you want to work on. That is a unique spot. So I, I'm inspired by you that you have that. That's and, I, and I and I also want to say that I, you know, my my dream is to be able to wake up and have an idea and just be able to put it in fruition. Right. I just I want to be able to have all the resources where I don't have to call on anybody else or ask anybody else's permission. I can just do it. Do it yourself, woman. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So if you, you know, you've obviously had the chance to interact with some of the most creative minds of like our generation and you yourself, you mentioned wanted to step up on stage and give a motivational talk. If you could leave an impact or an influence on somebody, what would you want that to be? Whether you've known them for 20 years or 20 minutes. I want people to know that you can be kind honest, caring, loving, all the things that, you know, a woman embodies and still be a boss. 
You don't have to act like a man. You don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be mean. You can be a leader and people can respect you in that way. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. And is and it sounds like with your current company, you're kind of inspiring people to do that, yeah? That's the hope. And we just want to lead by example here and give opportunity to minority women that don't usually have that opportunity. And really change the narrative of women not working together and being competitive and not being able to collaborate. Like we, that, I don't know where that narrative came from and, and pitting women against each other in the competition, but I think it's, it's old news. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that, was that because culturally there was only so many spots for women, yeah. so therefore they competed with each other or what was the... I think I guess- that along with just, I think honestly, men probably like, they kind of encourage women to go against each other in a way in male dominated industries like that, you know, because it's easy to pit people against each other. So let's hypothetically say you're talking to a CEO of a small software company that's looking to expand his team that already has females on his team, but wants to obviously expand that. What would be as a, as a white man, how can I best encourage and support a female either working for me or we, we, partner with in different business ventures, whatever it may be. How can I, what's your encouragement hypothetically to me in that, but not really hypothetically. Yeah, no, no, I got you. Um, I would say number one, equal pay. Yeah. If they're doing the same job, you know, we obviously it's the facts. Women get paid less, right? And we don't get it's promoted as much and we don't get all the the things that a man usually typically gets. And I get it because we've been still, we're still fighting in the workforce. We got that, right? But I would say- the value and the equal pay, um, listening to them because they do have a different perspective and creating a positive and safe environment. I like that a lot. That's good. It's also practical. (laughs) And and, uh, what seems that it should be done by more people, I don't know why it's not, but let's make it happen. So yeah, I don't know why. Maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, One TI question. Is Is that okay? Of course. What's your favorite song of his? Oh, that's a hard one. Mm. Gosh, you really put me on the spot there. Well, I'll give you while you're saying. So I owned my very first business. I can, I, we should be on video because I'm, I was cheesing about your starting a company in college. My, yeah. first, my first business was a landscaping and lawn care company. Yeah. 15, right? You beat me to the punch. <laughs> well, you, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was the chubby neighbor kid that push mowed lawns probably for beer money. So you probably had better aspirations than me. So, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I had a chance when I was 21 to sell the business. So we we have kind of a fun similar. We have a lot of things we can we can shoot the breeze about. But I used to listen to the song uh, "Popping Bottles" by Ti on oh, repeat yeah. while mowing while mowing lawns. I used to listen to that song so many times and uh it was like the inst- it, it was the last song i listened to as i went up to the appointment to sell the business that's exactly the song i listened to because it was just a state i can't listen to that song without like literally imagining mowing lawns <laughs> right <laughs> so funny it's yeah. funny how music can put you in a, a certain memory but for me i would say like this is a hard one but th- like trap music was when i met tip and that's what he, that he was actually recording trap music at the time and I 
I think most of those songs on that album make me feel like the start of my career there. Um, but I also love like about the money, live your life. Like there's so many, he, he he's just a, he's a lyricist. He's an amazing talent. Yeah. It's hard to pick one. It's hard to yeah. pick one. <laughs> so my favorite question on the planet, and I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm going to ask this in two ways. My favorite question on the planet is what is it gets you out of bed in the morning? Kind of the, the idea behind it is like, what is it that drives you to be you? And secondly, like, I, I think, I think like the influence bit of like, ultimately what what influence do you want to have on the world and i think those those questions kind of go hand in hand so i'd love to hear both what gets me out of bed in the morning my excitement comes from like me being able to help people build their careers i really do get enjoyment from that i'm a i'm a journey type of girl like it's not just about the end result but i'm a builder so i love the process of building especially something from like the start i love that I love that. And wait, what was the second thing? <laughs> uh, what 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 influence do you want to have in the world? What influenced me to have the world? Wanting to have the world? Well, that that that's actually a good question. What influence do you want to have on the world? Like, oh, what you... influence do I want to have on the world? Yes. But uh, also, what 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 world do you want to have influence? <laughs> <laughs> um, what inf what influence do I want to have on the world? Um. I think I, I think it's kind of similar to what I said before. It's just, it's being able to, you know, I always tell people like, you don't have to, I, if I don't have to, I don't want to lie, cheat or steal to get to where I'm going. If it takes me longer, it just takes me longer. It, I just want to prove to people like the hard work and, and doing good by people and having great intention does pay off. Like you do, you, there is a reward to that and people do notice. I'm going to send that clip to my dad, that, that brief 30 seconds of what you just said, because he always taught me to make my bed every morning and it pissed me off. And now I've come full circle to realize why, because it's the discipline and it's the practice and it's the kind of long game of just learning lessons like that. So I, I love that. You I, know, let me tell you something. I have never left my house without making my bed. And it's probably my OCD, but it's also I read recently where when you have a sleep cycle, ending that sleep cycle is by making your bed. Hmm. And so you, you finish things, you got to finish things off. You don't just leave them hanging to then go to the next thing. And so I think that it's, it's kind of a representation of that. You know, I know you said you hope to be a motivational speaker, but that's motivation right to me today. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Dina, so for anybody that wants to follow along with your life journey or you want to point them towards, uh, uh, I guess, any resources about you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you or follow you along? Yes, along. please check out my website, dinamarto.com. And then you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter um, on at Miss Marto, M-I-S-S-M-A-R-T-O. And if you want to learn more about my new business, it's cndtheagency.com. Love that. I'll make sure to include all that in show notes as well, too. But Dina, thank you so much for being a guest on this uh, podcast. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? No, thank you so much. This has been so much fun and so easy. I didn't know what I was going to get myself into here. <laughs> well, me, um, me, me either. With somebody who's produced as much as you have, I was like, oh boy, come on now. <laughs> No, no, it's fun. No, you're doing great. And um, no, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. And I just want to leave everybody, especially the entrepreneurs with this thought is that just do what you are naturally good at doing and the money will come. So good. Thank you.
you just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su- subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.